Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast, episode number 32. We're so glad that you are listening today. We hope that you're encouraged by what you hear and by the amazing guest we have on our show today. We're going to be talking to Evelyn Kwanzaa today. And she is a wife, a mom, an educator, and still a student herself, actually a doctoral student. She's a lifelong learner and an all-around inspiring person. We had a really great hour with her, spending time hearing her story, and we know you're going to love it too. She is going to tell a story about her son when he went through some illnesses as a child. And she also talks about being a teacher and what it's like to find that spark in your students. And then a little bit about being a late bloomer and what that means. So listen in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Afraid Not. Well, hi, Evelyn. Welcome to Afraid Not. And we're so glad that you are joining us today for this episode. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure and our honor to have you. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, job, hobbies, just kind of your little snapshot? Okay, I am, my name is Evelyn Kwanzaa, and I am, well, I guess I don't need to say that, do I? It's good. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I am married to my husband, Modi Kwanzaa, um, and we are college sweethearts. We met at Oberlin College. We have two kids. One is 18, that is Niara. And my son, he might be 23 almost. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's also a student at the University of Arkansas. So my daughter is about to graduate from high school, and I have a son who's uh, nearing the end of his um, matriculation through college. So, and so you're getting ready to be an empty nester. I am getting ready to be an empty nester. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I still have two and a half more years, years so you. I don't yeah. have to. I don't have to cross the empty nest line yet, but I'm getting <laughs> close. Right. I can see it. <laughs> it's coming though. I know. <laughs> and something kind of cool that Evelyn may not be. She might not want to say on her own, but I'm going to brag on her. She was our District Teacher of the Year for Owasso Public Schools for 2018-19 school year. And yes. we are very proud of her in Owasso. For the She's entire amazing. district. Yeah. It's a very big deal. We're so thrilled. It was quite an honor. I mean, there's so many wonderful educators in Owasso. And especially it's, it is especially an honor because I grew up here in Owasso. Mm. Um, I went to, I, we moved here when I was in, um, you know, I struggled to remember if it was fourth or fifth grade. Um, but we moved here then and I graduated from Owasso. So I'm an, I'm a, a Ram and mm -hmm. I am an alum of Owasso High School. That's pretty special. Mm -hmm. Means a lot. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up. You grew up in Owasso. I grew up in Owasso. My parents... Um, belonged to uh, Church of God in Tulsa. Uh, so we uh, um, would, we, my parents were, they moved here in the, the late 70s. We lived in Tulsa for, um, for my kindergarten through fourth grade or so. Uh, and then we moved out to Owasso uh, right about that, uh, that time. And there were, at that point, um, Four of us children. There was one more born in Owasso, so, so it's <laughs> quite of us total. My youngest uh, brother, his name is Johan, um, but there are five kids in my family, and I'm the oldest oh. of 
four of uh, four of five children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a sister who is a year younger than I am, and then I have three brothers. That, mm-hmm. um, so um, I bet your mothering skills were getting honed before you even left the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: my uh, my sister would probably say not so much because she <laughs> tended to be a little bit more of the the mothering type than I did. <laughs> and there's a whole big joke about that in our family. Oh. It's like when it was time to like cook or or do dishes, I would go to the piano. They say. <laughs> oh my goodness, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> sounds very familiar. There's someone in my house that may tend to do that as well. Just kind of just naturally Mm -hmm. float over there like, where is is that person? I don't know where they went. So did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. I I did. I grew up, uh, my my parents, we we, we have this uh, saying that I kind of was at church a lot uh, uh, growing up. Uh, My mother worked in the kitchen and my dad was a deacon. Uh, And I have memories of my childhood like going to different camp meetings and we call them camp meetings where there were revivals, <laughs> I, I, I guess of some, of sort. And, uh, and just kind of hanging at church all day while mom and daddy did their duties basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that is definitely, um, that is definitely, um, a part of my formative oh, years yeah. right. of Absolutely. going, of being in church a lot. My grandmother, um, but before she passed away, was the pastor of our church. Oh wow! And uh, and then my aunt was a minister of a church of our church, which is my dad's uh, mother and his aunt. Uh, so there uh, and then so there's a lot of uh, of ministry, I guess, uh, in in my family as as far as um, I don't know if the word is ministry. Just just a lot. I mean, they were ministers. Uh, um, for sure, but there was just a there. Were, we did attend a lot of church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. did. I I, uh, I I I got saved when I was ten years old, uh, and um, and was baptized right around that same time. Um, my um, my walk um, has changed quite a bit from that because I have different beliefs from from how I was brought up. And that's probably one of the sort of a, uh, I, I think one of, it's an interesting story about how I come to, to know Christ even more. Well, tell um, us about that. And uh, it, one of the things, so, so, you know, when you grow up and you go to church all the time and you, 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 you hear what you hear and you learn and it becomes your truth, basically, sure. it becomes your truth. And, uh, and so one of the things that, it, that I learned as I got to college and, and, and got to know other believers is that um, everybody doesn't all, always, um, they, they can have a belief in a higher power and a belief in God, but not necessarily have the same day-to-day life that I did, that mm-hmm. I grew up with in, and in the same sort of like some, some of them, I think, sort of legalistic views. So mm-hmm. one of the things I grew up with was that there was definitely, we were not allowed to wear uh, pants. We were not allowed to okay. wear makeup. We were not allowed to wear jewelry. All of these things were considered pretty sin- strict. It was pretty, it was pretty strict. All of these things were considered sinful. Uh, and in some circles, it was kind of a no, no to go to college. So that was a, oh, that wow. was a, 
uh, a sort of a breaking of <laughs> a little bit. I, uh, even though my parents were like, uh, no, <laughs> um, but, uh, but that was, it was, you know, and then, you know, and to a certain degree, women, which is, it, it's kind of ironic that my, my grandmother was a pastor, but there was definitely, uh, a, a tradition that women had a certain place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so when I got to, um, college, I started to, I had, I, uh, had a woman who, and a, a pastor's wife who could tell that I was pretty sheltered little Christian girl coming off to, to college. And they kind of decided to be what we call host parents for. Nice. And, uh, and what I learned is I just saw, uh, women who, who were very proud of, of like taking care of themselves and were fine with like dressing up and, and, and not looking homely but like but still fiercely, Jesus. fiercely loved Jesus <laughs> and fiercely right. were, were. And so, so then I began to realize that it's not, a, you know, that that really has nothing to do with, um, right. with, 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 um, knowing Christ as your savior. So that yeah. was, so that, so I learned, uh, that was the beginning of me learning that. And then I still began to question things. And then I had an aunt who sat me down and was just like, I need you to just go ahead and ask God for yourself. Because she, even though I do, even though she ascribed to a lot of those old, traditions she said um she didn't want she she really um wanted me to have my own understanding and my own like relationship with the holy spirit which we want our, right. for our kids. Which is with, we with, don't want them to think they have to have their parents or their grandparents right. faith we want our kids to have their, their own, own right. faith standing that, strong in it and i and i and i actually think that that is has been the gift for, uh, that God has given me throughout my life is to show other people outside of that who kind of show that uh, that I didn't necessarily have that in my own in my own home, but I had others who show that show that to me how is how important it is your own walk is, mm-hmm. and so uh, and yeah, and so she did that, and uh, and, and I, so I did. I, I searched and 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 figured it out for myself that that it was more important that I was obedient to. God's voice to me that it is important that I follow rules that man set up basically. Right, right. <laughs> right. So, 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 so it's a big change. Those who still, who still like haven't reconciled, like that. Oh yeah, that was just people. It's not has it has nothing to do with like God's requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, they they to me have a better spiritual connection with Christ basically. So because it's so not about I, rules, it's about loving Christ. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I have some friends who figured that out, and I have some that haven't that, right. that I grew up with that are childhood friends who, uh, and we've had these discussions on and off for the last thirty or so years, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've tried to figure it out and maneuver it, maneuver it. My sister and I, all my siblings, and and uh, and. I think the blessing has been that I, there have been people in my life who've, who who um, kind of helped me maneuver mm-hmm. through that. And, Absolutely. And so, Well, something that you and I share in common mm-hmm. is that we love teaching music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually what you have made a wonderful career of. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do and where you've taught and, and what you're okay. kind of all about with that? I uh, wish you all could hear her singing voice. Ooh, <laughs> she's good. Maybe I'll sing something. Maybe we'll a make later. you sing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I I uh, love. 
I absolutely do love teaching music. I love teaching people to sing in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, the love for music making actually does come from my experience in being in the church. So right. one of the things about my church upbringing is that, uh, which is funny, I'm going back to that. But um, one of the things about my church upbringing is that we didn't believe in instruments. Oh. Now, and so there was only a cappella singing. So mm-hmm. this is also where I... I divert to, as you know, I have students, I have children who are very musical and, and play <laughs> instruments. Yeah. They do. Yes. And I play the piano as well. So there's, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, di- uh, I guess, diversions from my old upbringing. But, um, but the point is that we sang a cappella, mm-hmm. and so I just loved hearing people harmonize. And when I, and I learned, I remember literally forcing myself to learn to harmonize like way before I could like was he I think it was before I was 10 it was really young yeah really young and and so I grew up hearing just people harmonize above and below and being just really fascinated with that and so um uh and and so I really enjoy teaching music because that's it was it was pretty much my connection and mm-hmm. and uh and then as i went to school um it was it was kind of the thing that it, it was my thing basically just to 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 put it bluntly it was it was my thing it was the thing that i that i figured out that i could do well and that i um I felt like it was something that I had to give. Absolutely. And uh, and I have this story where there's a lady who actually, she lives in Owasso. Her name is uh, Patricia Rose. And in fact, when I got Teacher of the Year, she came and took a picture with me there. Um, but what I, I have a memory of my mother um, hearing me sing, of course, and just was in Patricia Rose is a, was a, she was a school teacher, but she was also in our, she was also a musician in our church. She led the songs. <laughs> That's what the musician in our church did. And she, my mother, so took me down around the corner, which is where she lived in our home in Owasso, and and said, "I want you to hear my daughter sing and see if you think she should sing a special in church, which is what we call oh, yeah. like a special. Oh yeah, we remember those days <laughs> singing a special, singing a special. And oh, so, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and she was the one who was like, after she heard me sing, she was like, yes. <laughs> you need to uh, you should be singing <laughs> so um, so it was it was kind of like she uh, validated mm-hmm. um, uh, my not my singing which was being which was also being uh, instructed at school like it was different even than the singing that I heard it that we heard in church because it was it was being like cultivated by the music teachers and my music teachers in school, they were telling me specific things, to, way to breathe and, to, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know how we do. Right. <laughs> Resonate and all of those Bell different things. And all exactly. Yes. So yes. it wasn't quite like everybody sang at church, even though I loved the way, loved hearing. But my, so mine was different. And my mother was like, well, I wonder if this would be OK. And then she said it was OK. And so that was a big deal. And, and so part of what I do when I teach every day is to sort of like pass that on and share share what she did, what Sister Pat did, and it was basically she found this little spark in this little girl, and she decided that it, that she she just said a word or two of like, yeah, you should be singing, you should be sharing, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I would uh, and I just you know pretty much from there would every so often would sing 
uh, a special in church. And I wouldn't do it every time, but I would do it when I was sort of prompted. And I remember hearing like a little prompt, you know, and there was this lady, her name was Sister Queen Esther at our church. She would say, (laughs) you know, I love it when Evelyn sings because she doesn't, she just goes up, goes ahead and goes towards the pulpit when it's time. Whereas there's always, the way we, our church operated is we really believed in moving by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so you never knew what, exactly how each service would be expect you know particularly we didn't always know who the preacher would be we didn't always know who would sing a special that day maybe nobody maybe somebody maybe several people uh and and sometimes people who who were supposed to sing or they were going to sing there would be this long pause where I would always when when I knew that it was like okay yeah you gave me a song lord I would just go because I was afraid I'm not I'm not <laughs> being go. obedient I was just like okay it's fine love it and then she that. said that later and I was like oh yeah I guess I do I don't wait around partly because I didn't want to like lose the nerve and then like hear the voice afterwards being like you know you were supposed to sing today <laughs> oh yeah so um but I really but I um so that's that's sort of like the seed. For mm-hmm. why I do, mm-hmm. and then it gets a little bit more like developed because I really believe that um, the gift of song is m- even more special um, as far as music making is concerned because we have text, mm-hmm. and that in text we we uh, we share ideas and thoughts and uh, and 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 I know that you can con- convey that as well being an instrumentalist and it's not a knock to instrumentalist but like right away we have an immediate like vehicle to share something yes and so and out of the mouth of children uh, I sometimes feel like that is it can be so powerful it is uh, so powerful. <laughs> it is really it powerful is. right and so uh and so I feel like is my calling is to like allow them to be to 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 sort of facilitate them being a voice basically I want to interject something that I've experienced as being a parent Mm -hmm. of your students okay two of my three kids have had the pleasure of being under your instruction my son Eric my daughter Maggie and the joy they've learned from your teaching and the connection to the music that they have experienced under your leadership has really taken them deeper to oh, a level wow. where they grab yeah. it more and they get it more. And they, um, I've heard Eric talking about how, wow, Mrs. Kwanza really gets it. She knows about being in the pocket, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. <laughs> uh, it just is exciting that you are letting God's gift of music and song be an inspiration to our generation coming up behind mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I've got to watch you do musicals, like help oh, with musicals yeah. and stuff. And you're very passionate about that and how that how the music works together with the, the drama. Yes, thank so you. Cool. I appreciate that. That's nice to hear. Speaking from... of that, March 2020, you can yes. come see the Into the Woods Into production the Woods. of Everwasso High School Drama. And Both theater. of our kids. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's going to be awesome. So, but we digress. So would you say that music is kind of your passion or do you have other passions that you would add on top of that? Um, I would say that I have a passion for learning. It, music happens to be the vehicle that I use, mm-hmm. um, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm in school now and I enjoy learning, but also enjoy seeing other folks learn and grow. Uh, and 
probably, if I was really good at math, it would be math, and I'd be passionate about helping people learn math. But I, I have a passion for for learning and education in general. Okay. Um, Which you've demonstrated by the fact that you're even pursuing your doctorate. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. already got a master's and working on doctorate right now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your thesis. My thesis, my um, dissertation topic is culturally responsive pedagogy and music education. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's gonna, those of us not music. <laughs> it's gonna go. It's gonna get um, uh, even more fine tuned as we've been working uh, with with my uh, professors about it, uh, narrowing it down to even choral music, which I'm excited about because of the whole idea that I've talked to you before about the fact that we have text, <laughs> so, um, and and I think that's a special gift for musicians and uh, um, in general, but. Um, Culturally responsive pedagogy is basically about responding to the cultures of the students in your instruction and in your curriculum development and, um, and, and, and using the student as a reference as opposed to me sort of bringing all my experience with, with knowledge to the table and then asking them to just absorb it. Mm-hmm. So it's using their perspectives Mm-hmm. Um, their their experiences as a jumping off point, and the idea is that if you if a stu- a student will learn better, faster, be more engaged when they can relate when they're when 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 what their own culture their own experiences are a little bit more parallel, they line up with whatever is with their education, mm-hmm. so that they're not like passing from two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you're passing into two different worlds. So. Uh, and, um, I, it, it also has to do with, there's a multicultural, um, aspect to it and that it's experiencing, um, other cultures beyond your own and, and how that relates to your own culture as well. Um, but the big point is that, um, Students, instead of me bringing my own experience and saying, this is what you need to learn, I listen to what you have, uh, your experiences. And then I bring content, but I figure out a way to relate that content to your experiences. So, uh, and I, I'm excited about it because I feel like... That's um, lovely, yeah, I like I, that. I feel like that... I, my, I actually, I, I can do a little bit of practice with it in teaching choral music, and I definitely feel like that I see, for example, my students get really excited about singing a Japanese piece. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see them really get excited. I see my uh, uh, students get really excited about singing a Spanish piece and learning how that how culture um how that culture and how their own, which is which is very diverse and and, and fluid, um, but how that uh, it relates to, to their own experiences and and seeing them connect to it. I mean, you can see the point where it. they're like, well, wait a minute, this isn't my culture, maybe necessarily, but then mm-hmm. you see them go, well, wait, there are connections that I have that re- that I relate to that. So uh, so and then then they then they they can't get enough of it. And, uh, and so I, so to me, I feel like, um, if we approach teaching in that, in that mindset, 
that that will get students more excited about right. learning yeah. whatever it is yeah. they have yes. to learn. So yes. that's what my paper is pretty something. much about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're getting the, the before version <laughs> the before of Dr. Evelyn Kwanzaa. Very raw. <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. That's awesome. So yeah. Great. I'm excited about that. So, so do you have a time in your life that things got frayed that you could tell us about? I, I do. Um, I will tell you of an experience that we went through with my oldest son, Julius, who is the, he, he is now at uh, in college, the University mm-hmm. of, of Arkansas, as we said, and he's studying music there. Um, right around the time that he was in the fifth grade, it seemed to be out of nowhere, um, he started to just come down with seizures. Oh and so, and it's first manifested to me, apparently he had been sort of dealing with something. Uh, we were just, you know how you are in the morning, sort of hectic. And I remember him leaning mm-hmm. over the stove and probably harassing him to come on, let's move. Cause we got to go. We're going to be late. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he le- leaned over the stove and I saw his jaw sort of juggle jiggle and he was just like oh man I hate it when this happens and I was like you hate it when what happens and then he started shaking and down he went Hmm. and uh and I had it was very very scary oh it was very scary and uh and and I think we we got him to come just to come around and uh, I'm I'm I can't remember if it was the next day, or if it was um, that same day. But late uh, later, some point later, um, I decided to just go to school with him. Like I dropped everything and I just like followed him to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My poor fifth year fifth grade. <laughs> My son was probably like, why? But I think he couldn't tell what was going on with his body as well. And so so I just kind of hung out. I probably um, checked in and just decided, hey, I'm visiting for the day, mm-hmm. from what I remember. Um, and then we went to gym ca- class, and he had another seizure in class. And it was the, the teach, you know, the, the interesting teach thing was that the teachers were like, how did you know? And I was just like, I just knew I needed to stay with him that wow. day. It was That's like, a God thing. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And so I just, and they called the ambulance and we, we went to the hospital. And so you get there, they ask you things like, so is he epileptic? And we're mm-hmm. like, oh no, we've never seen this before. But he uh, had some sort of inkling then, I guess. He had an he inkling. Cause so so I happened. think he was, he was starting to have some muscle loss of muscle control that, okay. that he had experienced, that he kind of like kept to himself that we didn't know anything about. So so this is a child who like, he played by, he had been playing violin since he was four and he had, and he was a football player. Mm-hmm. So we're So we're used to him being very like, his motor skills are like really good (laughs) and and uh and he's a amazing little athlete even at that little point and uh and we're just like what is going on and so uh after that he started ever so often he'd be playing and he would have a seizure of some kind and uh there were he, he started to have several different kinds they were like the kind that you stare and you lose time. They call mm-hmm. those, I forgot what they call those. <laughs> and then there's the, 
I think it's something about the clonic where you completely just fall down and have and shake. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and and then some where he would just do this sort of like his voice would utter and he would just do like a little like back like and a forth tick? like a, it was like a tick kind of thing and he would yeah. And uh, and so and this is something we had never seen. Never just going ever, from one day to the next. Just, it just happened. It just it just yeah. came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It literally came out of nowhere. So, um, so it was a series of going in and out of the hospital, like when it would come, and then um, the doctors telling us you need to, um, you need to, um, like you need to log these. You need to. To uh, what is the word for it? Keep a keep, keep a keep a keep a journal. You need to keep mm-hmm. a journal of them. You need to keep a time for when they start, mm-hmm. when they stop. And of course, I was at that point. I was teaching music, but I was running a private studio, and I wasn't teaching in a public school system. So it was it was I, I was a little bit more around him, but I also felt that I really wanted to. As a mother, I just wanted to drop everything and tell everybody to leave sure. me alone while yeah. I. Mm-hmm. And so, so which which really wasn't feasible for us because I still needed to work. But the, um, but, um, so the, the, the struggle there too was that the neurologist was trying to figure out what to do, <laughs> what to do. Like, and, uh, and we, so we went through it, even I think a couple of doctors, but the point I think that the, the big struggle that I had was, sort of asking God, like, what in the world is this? What is this? Uh, mm-hmm. What is this about? And then the other um, issue that I had was just that I I had people who were believers who basically said that I needed to, um, I needed to accept the fact that my son had uh, like epilepsy, epilepsy mm-hmm. and that this is a support group and and they and they totally meant well with that, but as a mother, I was like, uh, "No, yeah, not <laughs> I'm us. not accepting that. Mm-hmm. I'm not now." So, but in the meantime, we were praying over him. Um, there were there were many like God moments in the meantime. Like for example, I uh, didn't always hear when he would have a. A seizure, but like my husband would had woke up one time, like middle of the night, and he knew, and he went in there, and wow. he was having one, and so, and I'm, you know, so there were like moments when he would release me, and then like God would be like, okay, <laughs> it's his turn, <laughs> it's his turn, like like he would be, he would, you know, and part of that too, we laugh and say that I, he has really good hearing, my husband does, and I, and I don't have as good hearing, he hears things from a long ways away, but still, I think that um, there were these moments where he was where. Julius was still being taken care of. I mean, uh, there was a later moment where his he had he was had, had he had an audition for a youth orchestra, <laughs> and he had a seizure in his audition. But it was the oh. kind where he stopped time. Where time I call it time stops. They just kind of stare blankly. They stare blankly mm-hmm. and then they come back. And so I, he got out of out of his audition, and uh, I was like, "Well, how'd it go?" And he was like. Well, I had a seizure in the middle, and when I got done, I came back, and they were like, "Okay, well, thank you." And he was like, "But I wasn't done," <laughs> and oh, uh, no. and we're and I'm laughing because he got in, 
Oh, wow. He got into this. This is a Vermont you know he's good if he, he got into a good, So he doesn't even remember in the audition. He did, like, he, he started. He remembers starting it. He just, he didn't blank out the entire thing, but he had a pot, he had a blank space mm-hmm. and it came back. Did afterward. he continue to play through the blank space? He doesn't know. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. Wow. He doesn't know. So his he does his mind in his mind he left. Going. It could have. Wow. It, it could have. He doesn't know. He in wow. his mind he stopped. Now I remember like watching him play because he also played drums, and so in church. And I remember that he would have glitches in his playing occasionally, mm-hmm. and then he would lose time. And that was like one of the few times. Like he's he's good at timing, and this is the time when we're like ah, and these are so what. Uh, this is also a time when I was like a fierce mama, right? <laughs> I and, too, and not not, and, but but also a mom on the edge too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I literally mm-hmm. like was a mom on the edge. We prayed a lot um, mm-hmm. for him, and um, our church. We were in Vermont at this time. Our church prayed for him, and. Um, people came to the hospital and like laid hands on him mm-hmm. and prayed for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my aunt, who's well, my two of my aunts, visited us from at that time, and so the story is that um, she, they were planning to visit us and found out he had seizures and were like, "Well, we're definitely still coming," and but we didn't know this was happening. And my aunt came; she brought. In a little vial, a vial, um, this oil that belonged to my grandmother. So the other thing about my upbringing is that we believe in divine healing. So mm-hmm. many of the people that I grew up with never used medicines. Now this is also wow. something that I don't ascribe to anymore. We do, but um, but we believe in my my we would believe in divine healing, and I still do believe in divine healing. Sure, as you're going to find out at the end of the story. So, but she brought in. Um, she bought a, a vial of oil. And so the, what, the, what, we, what we do is just oil people on their forehead and mm-hmm. pray over them. Mm-hmm. And so she found original oil that my grandmother had. This is a big deal because my, my grandmother, is, I told you my grandmother was the pastor of our church. Sure. Yeah. My grandmother, like everybody in our denomination who, that I grew up with, um, remember my grandmother as this devout, like we all felt like we couldn't live up to, <laughs> kind of like she was the <laughs> God fearing mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can pretty much ask anybody, oh, Eva Hardman, oh, they all know. Woman of God. Woman of God. Yeah. And so she found that, she found, my aunt found that vow and she laid she anointed Julius and we we prayed over him and this was after several times of being he you know he's prayed over at the hospital as well and, and um people pretty I mean, you know they were the people came and 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 from our church and lots of prayer was had happened but this wasn't this was a really special time and so after I told you about me being a, a mother on the edge. Yes. Uh, after she anointed him and prayed, um, well, first of all, she, the, the one aunt mother, the, the one aunt, her name is Aunt Rosie, prayed, and it was like I could hear the voice of my grandmother praying because she prayed with the same sort of cadence, which, mm. which is like sort of like a, a, a begging um earnestness I can't mm-hmm. really quite describe mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. but it's not the way I pray or my husband prays or the way I even hear people pray nowadays for the most part but it's the same it was an the urgency same, it was the same sort of mm-hmm. like 
urgency and the same earnest. And it was, it was, it was a pleading type of a prayer. And, um, where, and then my, my aunt, um, my aunt Jerry said, it's going to be okay. Like that afterwards. And several people had said that to me, you know, like, like I had a student who said it in a, in the lesson. It was an older student. He's like, it's gonna be like they could sort of see the fear. Like I was literally walking like a deer in headlights, probably. Sure. And they could then you could see they were like, it's gonna be fine. But when she said that, I the whole like the mama who was on edge kind of finally stopped. Wow. <laughs> and she finally brought like that whole that calm or God brought uh, that calm calmness. Uh, mm-hmm. At that point, and so then afterwards, if he would have a moment, I wouldn't like lose it, right? Mm-hmm. And we have memories of him having moments in, of some of which, <laughs> some of which, like for example, that I caused. Like once I rolled his finger up in the in the window, oh no! So it caused a little like eh, eh, seizure, and I, and literally like right <sighs> now we laugh at it because. <sighs> The mother cost. <laughs> I can only laugh at this now. Right? Now, now it's sure. okay. yeah. right. And when he, right? And so like, so like, so the little things like that. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, dear. You know. <laughs> and you get, he's like, I'm good, mom. But like, I had my head hanging here, and you're rolling the windows. <laughs> like we could, uh, but like we could have a moment like that. Whereas before, it was like, oh no, like it was, it was a big deal. But um, but um, but. What ha- so after that we were able to uh, there was a there was a, a woman who said I want you to at our church I want you to consider my doctor who uh, has taken a lot of people through neurological issues mm-hmm. and he um, because we had been kind of like other doctors were looking let me try let me try let me figure sure, it out and it was, they were trying yes. to figure it it was it literally is and the brain is so complex and yes. right and it's and they haven't quite even figured out you know oh right like all of why people have seizures to even now um but uh, except for they you know know that there's some kind of misfiring in the brain but he basically said i'm going to take the case and i'm going to have to take all the kit- cooks out the kitchen it was kind of like basically Someone, uh, uh, a friend told the doctor, their, their, a, a friend who was, that was their doctor told him of our case and said, please, can you help our friends out? And they, and he said, I'll take it on, but I'm going to clear out all the, the cooks in the kitchen is how he put it. And, uh, and he was able to take Julius through a series of meds that like stopped the seizures. Wow. But the testimony that we have now is that, that Julius was able to wean off of all of these meds mm-hmm. and now is seizure free and he's been like that since he was I believe he we it went on into sixth grade and uh and then it started and we were it he got better after that uh and uh so 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 at the time um so he's the, seizure this, free and medicine free now and medicine free and at the time um the doctor had said there is a kind of a seizure that happens during adolescence. It's called like pubescent seizure or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's just brought on by puberty. And it says it's possible that this is what we are seeing right here. We, you know, but we don't know. I don't want to tell you this for sure mm-hmm. and get your hopes up. And then, um, but, but uh, in my mind, I begin to pray that this was the seizure that we were having, that we were going through, that this was the type, that mm-hmm. it was just brought right. on by 
just crazy hormones that just went, you know, that mm-hmm. literally lost their minds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and, uh, and I also, I also in my own, uh, I guess when I call it, when you talk about it, uh, the frayed knot is that my testimony was that I was frayed mm-hmm. <laughs> very right. much at that yeah. time, but I also was like fiercely, I also decided that I was not going to listen to the voices that said, you know, some people have to deal with this. And I respect the fact that some people have to deal with this, but I was Mm -hmm. determined that this was that, that there was a healing beyond that for us, Mm -hmm. for that, for my child. Mm -hmm. And uh, And God gave you that. And he did. And he gave us that. And we went through the period of where he looked like he was a little bit high because he was over-medicated. And Mm -hmm. I remember the first lady at our church looked at him and she said, yes, he's floating. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And she she said it in like a sweet manner because she loved, because she had watched him be a child and grow. And and he was like a little... 11 year old kid at that point and she was just like oh my baby is like it was her baby too that she saw floating <laughs> she's like my baby's floating I was like yes he is so we saw him go through that uh and then but um uh, and to the point where we where the seizures had stopped and then little by little I mean we would be like a blessing when we were like okay well we have three more weeks and then you are going to be like off of this medication <laughs> yeah. and then two more and it's like you know you, you wean back and then you watch and you wait and things you know and uh yeah. and so and uh, we we our kids um grew up in 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 a in a yearly this I said grew up in this because it was a big part of our, our lives is being gospel fest and singing gospel music and gospel music um, being like the African American tradition gospel mm-hmm. music, yes. and so and it is a big deal in Vermont because Vermont is not a very black state; it's pretty <laughs> pretty much a white uh, a white state. And uh, uh, but uh, but they we we grew up being a part of that, bringing that to music to to Vermont. And so uh, I remember, like not too long after, like Julius's seizures like had stopped. Is my this uh, guy was singing a song? I believe it was. Um, Never would have made it as the name of the song. If it wasn't for you, never would have made it. Mm-hmm. And so, and looking at him, he, I was just in the balcony with him, like a few chairs. I was watching kids because I'm always with kids who were singing. And we were, we had finished our part and I was sitting with the kids waiting for the adults to sing, to sing their songs. And Julius was just praising and his arms are wide up, wide, or reached out. And he was just like uttering like how... Wow, How, what he had gone, you he know, never basically, made it. Yeah. he was basically just praising, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and what I learned from that is that my child has this testimony that will go with him for the rest of his life. That yes. he will, that no one can take away from him. He has this testimony of something really major that he was healed from, right? You know, before he even turned twenty, and uh, wow. and 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 that's. A big deal, right. <laughs> like it he, is. like because because is. there's nothing we could we could say. Oh, I did this. We work on. There's not a thing I can say that I did mm-hmm. that helped him to get better, except the power of God and mm-hmm. healing and and so and and so yeah, he has that memory and that that uh, 
that testimony. So Praise the Lord. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so good to remember that we serve a God who is mighty. Mm-hmm. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing is impossible mm-hmm. with God. So, he is the God yeah. of healing. He mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing story. I love it. Okay, so going back to now, mm-hmm. so you went through all that with Julius, mm-hmm. and then now you're, you, how did you get to a, back to Owasso? Um, so um, I think that's perfect because it leads into sort of my mindset about like being a late bloomer. We, we moved back to Owasso um, in 20, end of 2012, 2013. We moved back to, for my husband to work with my brother. And then at the same time, I really wanted to pursue a dream that I always had, uh, which was to work on my doctorate. And so, uh, and part of me, there are sometimes when I hear that voice of like, wow, you're 50 years old and you are just now starting this. And a lot of my colleagues in my cohort are a lot younger than I am. There's a couple that are my age, but, uh, but a lot of them are, are younger. And so, um, but I have been really sort of meditating on the, the idea of the late bloomer and uh, that it's not necessarily a, a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And one right. of the things that I um, want to encourage other folks who are my age actually about is that sometimes there's, well, we go through seasons where where uh, our gifting is used in one way and I feel like I'm on the edge of my, of a, opening up a new area of my gifting. I've been a music educator for a a long time and I love teaching but I feel like teaching I will probably always be an educator and I love that but it's going to change I feel like in the in the next few years and uh and uh, what I know about late um what I'm learning about late bloomers is that is that I what I know about myself is that I probably have a young mindset and that I'm open to change uh and and often um, as pe- we get older, we don't like change as much, <laughs> and uh, um, we get kind of settled. But because I kind of have developed later, it makes me open to change because my change has happened later, basically. That's <laughs> and great. so you have to have this new perspective on being a late bloomer, and that is not necessarily that it's a negative thing because I will be open to change, and yet I'll still have wisdom of having lived, you know, that for, for 50 years, <laughs> that would be different than someone who was getting their doctorate at 30. Sure, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, or, or maybe even 40. Mm-hmm. What a great example so, of just so, someone saying, I want to do this. This is a dream mm-hmm. and it's not too late. And it's not too late. So too every late. listener out there, whatever it is you're dreaming about, whatever that thing that God's put in your heart mm-hmm. and it's just been... A seed in the ground, mm-hmm. it is not mm-hmm. too late. Right. Yeah. Go for I it. love that. <laughs> Thanks. Because I'm getting ready to turn that age too. So I. There you go. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> New beginnings. <Yes. laughs> um, I remember hearing something really motivating that has stuck with me that you shared. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you would kind of retell it. Okay. It's the, this encouragement you gave to Gail Ballinger. When okay. you said how how what a difference she made in mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. as a teacher, mm-hmm. 
And I wondered if you would just tell that. Sure, sure. Piece. I've told the story a few times, so <laughs> if you've heard it before, uh, bear with me. But it is, it is really special. Um, so Gail Ballinger was a teacher in uh, in Owasso, and, and she's also a member of our board. But she taught for years, um, I believe, in the, over the, in the thirty. Year, I believe you're right. right. Yeah. She's loved a lot of uh, children. She's, she's taught my, um, like a lot of, uh, and, and I, we laugh because a lot of people have uh, Gail Ballinger stories because um, she just touched a lot of lives um, just with the person she was and the educator that she was. But so we, I had just moved here from Tulsa. Um, I think it was a, not more than a year, and and um, obviously as a young black child. Um, not a lot of peers in, in, in my class looked like me. <laughs> and so I was very aware of that. And I, and, and I have been very aware of that because that's pretty much been, been my, a lot of my life. Um, um, but the reason I point that out is because um, Gail made a point of sort of sowing a seed of like hope and that I was somebody by saying to me, and she said it, I, I think I turned in an assignment or something, and then she just was really proud of it, and she said, you know, you're going to be the first woman president. And at that point, it's funny, it, I never ever was like, oh, I really want to be in politics. It never did that for me, but it did do something really important for me, was it just to say that I see you, and I think you have something important to say to the world, and yeah. something important to, you have something to give. And we, and we need what you have. And so, um, but the main thing is that she was just like, I see you. And that is something that I try to share, try to do with my own students. And sometimes even yes. you can see a, a child who just wants to be like, I see you. Right. You, you, we see yeah. uh, there's, mm-hmm. you can kind of just see it in their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you don't even have to say anything and yeah. you can just see they're like, am I just floating here? Does anybody right. care? What's, you know, and you can, and so she did that. And, uh, and, and that stuck with me, uh, that stuck with me all of my life, all, mm-hmm. all, all of my life and whatever it was that I was trying to do. It was just like, basically she said that and she said it at a time when I needed it because I wasn't quite sure if I felt like I really belonged basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was a cultural shock of mm-hmm. all kinds, of all <laughs> kinds, you know, so, uh, and then, and she did that. And so it's really, it's really precious. It's, uh, and, uh, so yeah, I didn't, uh, and it's funny. I was talking to my brothers, um, one, uh, during, it was last year, I think around Thanksgiving or something and, uh, and asking them to share like some stories about teachers that affected them. Cause I was trying to figure out like what I was going to do with for my actual, my teacher of the year topic. I was just kind of, right, right. you know how you are. You're just searching and exactly. for like, what was I going to do for my, uh, for, to, to compete on the, on the district level. And one of my brothers was like, I have to say, Mrs. Ballinger, um, was really special to me. And, uh, and so I was just like, well, wait a minute, that was mine. <laughs> you can't have the same one I but, uh, but, uh, but I realized, so, so it's, it was, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. She's a very special lady. So all of us That's can awesome. kind of take that moment today to think, how can I inspire and motivate a child mm-hmm. like yeah. that today? Mm-hmm. You just never even know that just yeah. that little thing you're writing on somebody's paper may be yes. life-changing. Yes, exactly. And the words that she said 
have carried many, many powerful moments in your life. They, cool. they have carried a lot of powerful moments. And it just also, to me, shows the power of words, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Speaking is, words of life. <laughs> yes. And being seen. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Well, I have just... Every minute we've shared this conversation, I've enjoyed just being with you today. Thank you for coming and sharing your story and being willing to open up for our listeners. I really appreciate you having me and giving me a chance to share my story and and have a voice. you guys have made it really comfortable. As I told okay. you, as I told you, I have a, a, a little anxiety about like sharing everything. But uh, you've got you you guys have um, helped to dispel all of that. So okay. well, good. <laughs> well, would you give our listeners a little oh, sure. musical treat at sure. the end of our of our recording? I I will. We'd love to hear uh, you sing a little something. For um, us. This is a favorite, all-time favorite spiritual, so I'll probably back up so it's not too loud. <laughs> um, it's called "I Want Jesus to Walk with Me," and uh, the words are words are the words. You'll hear the words. All right. <clears throat> I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me all along this pilgrim journey. I want Jesus to That gave me chills. Me too. Me too. I got tears. Oh, thank you so much, Evelyn. Evelyn. You're welcome. (laughs) Guys, wasn't that so good? I love her singing voice so much. We both had chills, and I got a little teary just from how powerful the music is. And I I feel that the message of the song is something I just want to drink out. You know, I just want it. I want Jesus to walk with me. Yeah. I want to breathe that in. Thanks so much for listening in. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe. And we will see you again in a few weeks. Unafraid not.